Welcome to the Emancipated Ministry, proclaiming the gospel as a fulfilling and liberating way of life, a revolutionary spiritual philosophy that rejects the authorities and principalities of this world for the righteousness of God's kingdom. I'm Pastor Raymond, and I hope this ministry strengthens your fellowship with the Christ and each other, and deepens your sense of the divine presence in your life. Last week I stated we would continue exploring the core theology of this ministry by looking at sin. But as I listened to the past few episodes, I found that I want to get into much more detail about this spiritual philosophy than a 15 to 20 minute podcast episode will allow. So instead, I'm turning that exploration into an ebook, which, like all things coming from this ministry, will be made available to all without charge. We will be returning to messages inspired by the revised Common Lectionary and World Events starting May 30th with the season after Advent. In the three weeks until then, I want to focus on three foundational elements of Christianity that usually get downplayed, overlooked, and ignored by most people proclaiming a Christian faith today. These three elements are why empire after empire seeks to either co-opt or destroy the church. In today's language, we would call them activism, anarchism, and anti-capitalism. Let's begin with a story. Once upon a time, in the Roman-occupied land of Galilee, there lived a man named John. John was a deeply religious man who started a ministry, preaching in the wilderness for people to repent from their sins and the coming of God's kingdom. He baptized people in the river and promised them a Messiah would come after him a liberator who would free the people of Israel from the oppression, authoritarianism, and corruption they suffered under the Roman invaders and their own ruling class. Over the course of his ministry, John criticized the Roman appointed ruler of Galilee, Herod Antipas, son of Herod I, for breaking Jewish law. Like so many rulers before and after him, rather than ask if there was or admit to any truth in the accusations against him, Herod decided to use his power and position to silence his critic. Herod has John, this poor preacher from the wilderness of Galilee, arrested and eventually executed 
for speaking out against him. Now, among those who had listened to John preach and who had been baptized by John in the Jordan was a carpenter named Jesus. After his baptism, Jesus goes on a pilgrimage, a sort of vision quest, seeking self-mastery by living alone in the wilderness for 40 days, a ritual reenactment of the 40 years the tribes of Israel spent wandering in the wilderness after escaping persecution in Egypt. Returning from his pilgrimage, Jesus hears of John's arrest, and both Matthew and Mark are quite clear in their gospel accounts as to what happens next. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 3 12 and 17. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1, 14 and 15. If asked, most people will tell you the nativity is the beginning of Christianity. Others might say Christianity begins when the apostles start baptizing the Gentiles in the name of Christ. But Jesus was born and raised by a carpenter and is a carpenter by trade until he becomes a spiritual teacher. And it's fair to say, had Jesus never preached a single sermon, he never would have attracted a single follower, and there would be no message leading to the Gentiles' baptism. The beginning of Jesus' ministry is the founding moment of Christianity, and the first two Gospels explicitly link this event with the arrest of John the Baptist. Mark and Matthew want us to know these events, these events are directly connected that one led to the other. So to understand the foundation of Christianity, we need to examine these events together. And there are three things I want to point out. First, we've already stated that one event led to the other. Jesus begins his ministry in response to the arrest of John the Baptist. Hearing the man who performed his baptism has been arrested for speaking out against Herod, Jesus decides he's not going to just stand idly by. Being a poor man himself, Jesus decides to start his own ministry and begins preaching publicly. The second thing I want to point out is where Jesus decides to start his ministry. John had been arrested by the ruler of Galilee, and the Gospels are clear this is exactly where Jesus goes first. Jesus doesn't just begin a ministry. He starts a ministry in response to John's arrest 
in the very principality ruled by the man who ordered John's arrest. Finally, let us consider the content of Jesus' ministry. Matthew and Mark both say pretty much the same thing. He preaches repentance from sin and the coming of God's kingdom. In other words, Jesus' ministry is identical in content to the message John had preached. Now, if someone did this today, what would we call it but a protest? This is the big picture of Christianity's founding. The arrest of John the Baptist is the spark that lights the fire of Jesus' ministry. A protest against authoritarianism, corruption, and oppression. Just as John promised would come after him. But Jesus doesn't plan to simply stand on the side of the road holding a sign and shouting slogans. He doesn't need to. Everyone knows the world is messed up. Jesus wants to change the world. To free people from authoritarianism, corruption, and oppression. And he knows he's not going to do it alone. Shortly after beginning his ministry, Jesus starts calling his disciples, who he refers to as fishers of men, or what we might call community organizers. He attracts a following of people from all walks of life, but especially from the poor and the younger generations, people who, even in Jesus' time, longed the most for change and justice. This frightens Herod, who, first century Jewish historian Josephus writes, had John the Baptist arrested and killed to prevent John from uniting the people against him. Common interpretation of the scriptures tells us Herod killed John to please his new wife, and this is very well what he could have been telling people to hide his own cowardice. But the Gospels also support Josephus' claim. King Herod heard of it, for Jesus' name had become known. Some said, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are at work in him. But others said, he is Elijah. And others said, he is a prophet, like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised. Mark 6, 14-16 Some people may interpret this as Herod actually believing John the Baptist had actually crawled out of the grave or that his spirit had gone into Jesus, but I don't. Rather, I see this as Herod coming to understand that the people had finally had enough. After decades of Roman occupation and taxation, the authoritarianism and oppression of his father's rule, and his own corruption, the arrest and execution of John was the straw that broke the camel's back. 
Herod is coming to an understanding that people were uniting behind Jesus' cause. That the ministry of this poor carpenter had become a movement with wide public support. Becoming a, a follower of Christ back then was to become what we would call an activist today. Jesus and his disciples were not persecuted, thrown in prison, and executed for no reason at all. They were challenging and mobilizing people against the status quo. The early church was not outlawed and oppressed for no reason. It refused to, set, to accept any king but Christ and any law but God's law. This activism was the very, very reason Jesus told his followers that the world would hate them and urges them to take up their cross, to accept the hardship and persecution they will endure in pursuit of a better world. So what happened? Why is Christianity the world's largest religion, but if we look at the world, it has not changed from the day Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel? When Rome was unable to stamp out the plague of Christianity, it did the only other thing it could. It adopted Christianity, and the emperor became the church's overseer. From this co-opted church emerged a milquetoast, passive Christianity, concerning itself more with an afterlife that's not actually described in the Bible than it is with its founding principle of changing the world. The world has not changed. Sure, we have more advanced technology. Science has uncovered the workings of the universe, and medicine can now treat or cure some of the worst diseases, but the world still operates the way it did when Jesus started his ministry. Authoritarianism, corruption, and oppression are every bit as prevalent and present as they were then. Those with wealth and power still abuse and exploit those without wealth and power so they can gain ever more wealth and power. And the people still cry out for change Injustice. Listener, I introduced this podcast as proclaiming the gospel as a fulfilling and liberating way of life. Christian is not something you are, it's something you do. You are not a follower of Christ unless you are, in fact, following Christ. The introduction states this way of life is a revolutionary spiritual philosophy that rejects the authorities and principalities of this world for the righteousness of God's kingdom. It's worded that, this way because that's exactly how Christianity began. If your faith and practice 
is not freeing people from and angering those who perpetuate the authoritarianism, corruption, and oppression of this world, then you need to rethink your faith and practice. We do not get to sit idly by watching the horrors of climate change, police, and other forms of state violence, hatred and indifference, global war and genocides, income and wealth inequality, poverty, hunger, or any of the other injustices running rampant in this world and still be able to call ourselves followers of Christ. We do not get to say, this is just how the world works. Deal with it and when you're dead, you'll have a good life. We do not get to be compliant with the way the world works and say we have overcome the world as Jesus did. I have a secret to share with you. Jesus overcame the world before the resurrection. Jesus overcame the world before the crucifixion. Jesus overcame the world every day of his life by refusing to live according to the way of the world, by speaking out against it, and by leading people away from the ways of the world so they could establish God's kingdom in their hearts and around the world. A new society and a new way of living based on righteousness and love. Thank you for listening to the Emancipated Ministry. If you enjoyed this message and found it inspiring, please subscribe, leave a review, and share it with others. If you're able, I ask that you support this ministry for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash emancipated ministry. In solidarity, may God's everlasting peace, light, and love be with you. Amen.